You are listening to a sermon from Mission Point St. John. We hope this message encourages a deeper connection between you and Jesus, our Savior. joining us in the house of the Lord and also joining us online and listening on the phone line. Uh, We're in our small groups and uh, we've been excited about how that's been going. We're tonight going into lesson three of a love that lasts. And uh, this um, this is based on my capstone project that I did for my master's program. And so uh, we've been focusing the last two weeks. We've been focusing on uh, a love and respect of God, um, training children from a biblical perspective. And so we've done two lessons, uh, which is that first section of my, of my capstone project. And then tonight we're going into section two, uh, a love and respect of yourself, a love and respect of yourself. And so the next two lessons are going to deal with the individuality of children and uh, how important that is, uh, obviously, when we're discussing each and every person, each and every child, each and, uh, each and every um, individual, uh, everyone obviously has their own personalities, their, their own uh, giftings, their own traits, attributes, whatever the case might be. So tonight we're going to go into lesson uh, three, individuality of children, love and respect of yourself. Uh, we're going to be reading two passages, and the first passage is from uh, Genesis chapter 1 and verse 27. So that, that first passage, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Uh, the second passage that we'll be reading from uh, is In Psalm 139 and verse 14, it says, I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. So these are two scriptures that that talk about the individuality of, of each of us. All parents, all parents learn about their children by using... Uh, if you want to say their first child as a test case. Uh, Dodson says uh, that sometimes he thinks people should be able to use their first child as an experiment and start from scratch uh, with the second one. Obviously, he's uh, being facetious, uh, but that is, is how some parents may feel or think at times. So when, you, when you're thinking about maybe uh, if you've had children... The first child you had, uh, you're, you're being so conscientious about everything about that child, the protection of that child. You're, uh, there is no other children that have been born. Your, your child is, is the only child that's ever been born. You're, you're thinking of it in a sense, oh my goodness, I got to make sure that I'm doing everything possible to take care of this child. And then as you learn, or if you have multiple children, uh, you get to see that maybe uh, the same the exact same guidelines as you have for your first child is not the same guidelines that you have for your second. And then there's obviously some things you learn on, on uh, the first child that uh, you say, I'm going to make sure I never do that again. And I obviously, uh, those, there's multiple examples. But I'll, I'll give you a personal example. So, of course, Miko's our firstborn. Uh, we were young parents. And... Um, uh, he was he was born in February, so I'm coming out of the church one night, and uh, he he's just a month old, and uh, I'm going to strap him into his seat and strap the seat into the car when I get to the car, and uh, without me realizing when I come out, it, there had been a little bit of freezing rain, and and all of a sudden I hit those church steps, and out of that seat came Miko and plop right on the ground. And all I can think of as a young parent is, oh my goodness, how, um, how terrible 
uh, I've been as a father. I, I, I didn't take care of him properly. And uh, so I, I would say, uh, obviously, we're thankful that uh, he was fine and, and recovered. But uh, that's obviously something, okay, that, I'm not going to do that again. I'm not going to do that. Uh, so you, you, you learn things both ways. Uh, Dr. Gazelle wrote a book uh, during the time of World War II that dealt with children in the culture of today. He stated that growing children in a modern culture are endowed with uh, innate growth capacities which express themselves psychologically uh, in patterns of behavior. So he discusses the relationship between the pressures of natural growth, that's maturation, and the pressures of uh, social order, acculturation. So there's, you, you've got to try to balance, you're, you're, you're trying to balance the upbringing of this child um, psychologically, uh, patterns of behavior. Uh, you're, you're implementing, uh, again, as we've learned in the first two lessons, 70% uh, of everything that child learns is by age five. And so everything that you're putting in, you're, you're creating behaviors and you're trying to use natural uh, growth, of course, the child maturing, and then the pressures of, of social issues, society, and say, okay, where do we bring a balance of what is best for our child, what's best for uh, grandchildren, what's best for the children that are in our care, that we're the guardians of, whatever the case. And so these, um, these pressures will, they, they'll determine at attitudes and practices within children, especially the mental growth of the first five years of life. Uh, the important thing to remember in every child, that every child is different. Uh, I have three children, and those three children are not the same. Um, there's some similarities between Miko and Miranda. Uh, there's more similarities between Miko and his mother, uh, even though he's very outgoing. Uh, he's, um, there, there's not a shyness to him. He does have attributes of his mother. Miranda would lean more towards my personality. Marissa is... Almost uh, totally like her mom. So um, there's every child is different. There, there, there is um, uh, an understanding that every child has their own personality, their own skills, their own desires and ambitions. And, and the challenge of us as parents is to embrace the differences. You cannot try to push children into the same, uh, same mold. If uh, God didn't create them that way, uh, we're to embrace the differences and then to cultivate a proper environment for the child to become everything God wants them to become, not, not necessarily what we want them to become. Some parents make uh, big mistakes in trying to push uh, children maybe in a certain direction or certain career, a, a certain a lifestyle, a certain, no, no, let let it be that the child becomes what God wants them to become. Doesn't, doesn't necessarily mean that what we think is what God's plan is. We're trying to uh, cultivate the desires, cultivate the ambitions, cultivate the personalities, the skills uh, to, to actually embrace everything that God has for that child. So what is known as highlighted in the scripture passage that we have read to you today is that every child is created in the image of God and is fearfully and wonderfully made. So when you think of, of your children in comparison to other children or, or even uh, if you're thinking of uh, child one in comparison to child two or child three, um, Remember, there is some constants. They are made in the image of God no matter what. No matter their personality, no matter their skills, no matter their ambitions in life, they are made in the image of God. And number two, they are fearfully and wonderfully made. 
So there is, there is no mistakes here. There is no, um, well, you know what, this, this, is, uh, this child will not uh, become uh, as, as prominent as another one. Or No, everybody is made in God's image, and everybody is fearfully and wonderfully made according to Scripture. David uh, even declared how marvelous the works of God were in his creation. I'm so thankful God didn't create us all the same. I'm thankful that he gave us uh, our own personalities, our own uh, abilities, our own skills. If we all had the same skills, there would be things lacking in the world. But God created people with different skills and different personalities. If, if you had uh, two, two very quiet people living in the same house, uh, there may be very little talking. If you had two people that all they did was they loved to talk, both of them, then there wouldn't be any airtime or airspace for, for each of them. It's, it's uh, no, God created us in the way that he, that he says we are fearfully and wonderfully made. His works are marvelous. Marvelous, that's what. The scripture is declaring. So the work rendered fearfully. When you see the word fearfully, it means properly uh, fearful things. Uh, things suited to produce fear or reverence. So not that you're afraid of, but no, actually inside of each individual, there is a creation uh, from God that produces a fear or a reverence or what sometimes we say is an awe, an awe. The word rendered wonderfully made means properly to distinguish or to separate. So the literal translation of this, as near as it can be given, would be this. I am distinguished by fearful things. That is, by things in my creation which are suited to inspire awe. I am, uh, I am uh, uh, distinguished among thy works by things which tend to exalt my ideas of God and to fill my soul with reverent and devout feelings. So inside of every individual that has been created is, is this... Uh, Ability that what God has put inside of each person is to inspire an awe of, of being fearfully and wonderfully made. Distinguishing the ideas of God to have a reverent and a devout feeling. You say, well, there's some people that don't believe in God. There's some people that, that have lost their uh, uh, faith in God. There's, it's not how it started. It's not how it started. The idea is that he was, the person is distinguished among the works of creation or so, separated from other things in his endowments as to work in the mind a sense of awe. There is in every child, every individual, every person created, that there is something that distinguishes them, separates them, that there is the possibility, the, the creation of an awe. So, we, we're made different from inanimate uh, objects and, and from the brute creation. Uh, it, the, the entire structure of our being, our frame, is to, uh, is to have our minds filled with wonder, according to Barnes. So, uh, God created us fearfully and wonderfully. He created us in his image. And inside of every individual is this desire to be distinguished and separated, to, to have the inspiration of the awesomeness, the devoutness, the ideas of God, for every individual to be in awe of God. So if that's the case, you and I as parents, grandparents, guardians, uh, people that you uh, have an influence over in uh, maybe in your community, your street, your family, whatever the case is, we're, we're always needing to look for, look for that creation that God fearfully and wonderfully made in that individual to, to un, 
un, uh, to reveal, to, to take off the scales, to, to remove the, the, the idea that of the unknown or whatever, whatever you, how you ever want to explain it. We're, we're there to say we're going to open up the opportunity for this individual to be in awe of God. In awe of God. So the scripture would indicate that every person is created with unique features, distinguished attributes, and separate ideas about the awe of God. The very being of a child can be so distinct in such things as personality, energy, likes and dislikes, and so forth. Um, we are all different. My wife and I are very different. Our children are different. Our grandchildren are very different. Um, we see that in our grandkids. We see the, um, the compassion that is greater in some and the energy that's greater in others. And, and every child is different. Every child is different. But in each person, there is distinct personalities and energy and likes and dislikes. And God created us with those unique features and distinguished attributes. Uh, researchers tell us that the human, that human beings have more energy at the age of three than, than in any other time in their lifespan. The most energy you will ever have was at age three. The most energy, uh, if, you, if you have a two-year-old, three-year-old, uh, a, a young a young um, individual that's close to that age, and you feel, oh my goodness, they are—they—they they just never stop. They—they—they they, can—they never seem to get tired. They, well, that—that's natural. The most energy you ever have is at age three, downhill from there. An inborn drive for emotional, cognitive, and physical development is urging them to explore the world around them. Uh, something is inside of every child that says, I, I want to find out how this is made, how this works. I want to find out how this comes apart. I want to find out what happens when I, when I hit it. I want to find out what takes place when I knock it over. I want to find out what that sound's coming from. I, th there is something inside of every individual, and that's natural. Uh, sometimes there are ideas and urges to experiment and explore may not always mesh with with their parents expectations and so there may be times things happen and you say oh my goodness that what 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 is going on I, I've told them ten times not to touch that I've told them to stay away from that I uh, so there's going to be times when it's not going to mesh with the parents expectation uh, but it's built inside the child to explore to to uh, be inquisitive to figure it out to try to to, to experiment, I wonder. I remember uh, myself even. Of course, I was, I was older than five. I was a little bit older than uh, the age group that we're talking about, but um, probably eight or nine at the time, uh, if I can remember correctly. And I remember um, my parents were going away for, for something, and they, they, left, they left us with a babysitter. And... Um, and I, again, I, ha I have that in inquisitive, uh, you know, I want to experiment, explore. Uh, not, I'm not over the top with that, but uh, I remember going out to our little shed and, and hauled the, I hauled the lawnmower out and I decided to take every piece of that lawnmower apart. I have no idea why I did that. I have no, I, you know, I have no there wasn't anything wrong with the lawnmower. Um, and then, actually, after I got it all apart, I couldn't remember how to put it back together again. Um, but I, I remember, I still, have that, I still have that thinking or that memory in my mind of wanting to experiment, uh, to explore, how does this lawnmower work? How is this thing put together? What, what, what is it that makes this thing cut? What is it that gives this thing power? Now, at that young age, I, I didn't have the knowledge of putting back together, and um, that was probably not a good thing. But it's in every individual. 
this can be exemplified in a, in a story of a young, energetic two-year-old who on, on one particular day took his little hockey stick and beat the hood of his father's brand new car. Uh, he was still too young to clearly uh, pronounce uh, some words. And when his father asked him if he hit the car, he quickly replied, yep, with a hockey stick. Uh, he, couldn't, he couldn't pronounce his letter H. It was like there was pride within the, the two-year-old of some great accomplishment, not realizing that he had just cost his father a good sum of money uh, to fix the hood of the car. The father was immediately given the option of whether to properly uh, guide the inborn drive of this young two-year-old or to ignore his behavior or even to, if you want to say, overreact. Uh, the young boy who is now a mature adult and a minister of the gospel had his energy guided to greater accomplishments. You know, the idea was we don't want him to become a hood basher for life. That's not a career. The goal for the parents is to be intentional in guiding this inborn drive to create life skills for their children. The story that I have just shared with you was our son beating my hood of my car, our car. Hadn't even paid one payment yet. Uh, he didn't realize, he didn't understand at two that even he was doing something wrong. Of course, through instruction, through uh, properly guiding him, I'm pretty confident today um, that he wouldn't beat the hood of my car, uh, which that would probably be a wise thing for him not to do. Here's the, here, here's the, the idea behind that. Okay, the energy was there. Um, uh, exploring was there, finding out what, what would happen if he did this. Uh, the, 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 the whole idea is I'm going to take this weapon, I'm going to take this hockey stick, I'm going to see what, what results will happen. Well, that was uh, the natural instinct, and it took guided behavior to uh, help the child understand, no, that's, that's not the right thing to do. Not the right thing to do. So some life skills that every parent should desire for their child to develop uh, would include some things like, and we'll just go through a, a few of these, and, and, and uh, every, every parent, every grandparent, obviously want, want uh, your children, your grandchildren, to become successful, to be um, an addition to what's happening in life, to be, to be prosperous in family and, 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 and uh, to give everything they got to everything they do. You want them to become everything that they are possible of. You want their skills to be unveiled. You want their talents to be seen. You want their uh, abilities to, to be realized. There's, there's, I mean, that's within every parent, every parent. But there's some, there's some uh, skills that obviously we need to be conscientious of and saying, okay, how can we create these skills within our children, our grandchildren, or, or any child that you have influence of. Listen, uh, there may be uh, teachers in this room tonight. Like, you're, you're, you're going to be part of uh, building these skills. You're going to be part of, of, of helping create these skills in a person's life. Number one, self-regulation. That's having a controlled behavior. I mean, every parent wants that. No parent wants to be embarrassed in the middle of Walmart with some temper tantrum. And, and uh, no one wants that. I mean, I don't, I, I don't know if anyone wants that. It, then maybe the parent needs help. Uh, but in most cases, I would say, uh, no, we want controlled behavior. We want, we want our, our kids, our grandkids to play with other kids properly. We want them to respond properly to... to um, to adults, to, to elders, we want them to, to be proper in, in church. We, I, I think, you know, I think every one of us would say that uh, we want self-regulation, a skill where that's not just built through a child, but 
it also comes through an adult. So for an example, um, the Bible talks about anger. Anger's a God-given trait. It's, uh, the Bible says, be angry and sin not. Um, so anger is not sin. It's uncontrolled anger that's sin. When someone gets angry to the point that they are, it's not controlled. It's, it's over the top. It's, it's, um, it makes people scared. It, 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 it downs people. It, no, that's, that's uncontrolled. And so what happens is, is uh, that's not controlled behavior. You want to start that at a very young age, self-regulation. Number two, focus on solutions. This is a positive way. How, you're not gonna, you don't want every child to focus on the problem. You want them to focus on solutions. How is it that this can be solved? How is it this can be fixed? How is it that we can come to an understanding, a resolution of what, uh, what will take place here? So uh, focus on solutions, problem-solving skills to, uh, to be able to solve issues. Uh, that, that's everything in life, okay? Whether you got an issue at, uh, in the house, uh, you, got, you got a problem at the bank, you got, you got a health issue, whatever, whatever the situation is, you want there to be problem-solving skills. And so you're building this from a very young age. Listening skills. Uh, listening skills is a great skill for every person. You want your child to learn this. You want them to be a good listener. Um, and that, that shows up in, it, in adults as well. Obviously, uh, if you're in a conversation, it shouldn't be one-sided. It's to, it's to be two ways. Communication happens both ways. Uh, you want to teach the skill of listening. Empathy. Uh, having, uh, having empathy for situations or, si or, or other people or, or other kids or uh, other, other uh, uh, things that are taking place around, around that person, in that family, at that church, at that school, on the playground, whatever. You want, you want there to be empathy. You don't want the, the child to, um, you know, burst out laughing when someone falls off the monkey bars and hurts themselves and they're making fun of them. And No, that's, that's, not, that's not the skill that you want your child to learn. You want them to uh, have empathy for that situation. Next, you want them to have compassion. Um, again, these are... These are uh, skills that can be taught by parents just by examples and showing them, uh, okay, this, this is actually how you treat people. Actually how you treat people. Uh, mistakes being an opportunity uh, to, to learn. So mistakes shouldn't be uh, uh, to be, well, this is, I'm going to highlight how terrible my child is. I'm going to highlight how... Uh, how incompetent my grandchild is. No, mistakes are an opportunity to learn. Um, it happened not too long ago that our grandchildren were at our house and we were, we were all sitting upstairs and I, I probably told you this already, but it was very quiet downstairs and, and my wife went down and, and here they, they were having a good time marking all over the walls. Well, uh, the opportunity is uh, in that moment you have you have a couple things that you can do you could get angry at them you could um, You know you could send them all home uh, You could say you're never coming back here or you could say no, this is This is a this is something that they've done. They don't realize the the, the significance of it even when the question was asked uh, uh, one of them piped up and said, when they were asked, uh, why, why did you write on Grammy's walls? One, one of them piped up and said, we didn't have any paper. Uh, that, that's a, a natural, I mean, answer from a child. They didn't have any paper. My wife got them all these little magic, magic erasers, and they all went to cleaning the walls. The mistake was an opportunity to learn um, that hopefully, even in the future, um, there won't be too many wall painting sessions or wall marking sessions. It's, it's, it's a mistake, an opportunity to teach. Uh, these are skills that we should be uh, putting.
putting in our children. This is, you're, you end up raising um, a, a family, a child, uh, an individual that, that sees how the important things of life. Next, you have self-esteem. We have so many issues with individuals in life that have low self-esteem. They have never been complimented or, or complimented at a very low rate. And their self-esteem is, is, is low because maybe they're, they're told they, they can't do it as good as someone else. They don't look as good as someone else. They, they don't sound as good as someone else. They, all kinds of things. Self-esteem is a huge issue with individuals accomplishing what God has distinguished in their life uh, of abilities and skills. It's not that some people can't do it. They don't believe they can do it. And self-esteem is, is built. It's something that has to, to be encouraged and uplifted and say, you know what? You can do it. Yeah, there's going to be some mistakes along the way, but you're going to learn through those mistakes and you're going to have problem-solving skills and you're going to be able to focus on solutions and uh, you're going to build, build, them up, build the child up that they can be anything that God wants them to be. You want to teach honesty. You want uh, the child to be honest. Again, you never have to teach a child how to lie. It's, it's built inside. You've got to teach a child to tell the truth. You want to teach a child to be honest, honest in all, all areas. You want them to uh, understand that even when they're honest, it doesn't bring worse consequences. So you're, you're wanting to build a, an atmosphere, a, a quality in the child, the, the grandchild, to be honest about things in life. You can work with honesty and say, listen, uh, you know, you hear the old phrase, honesty is the best policy. Well, it, that is if there's not some major consequences to a child that they feel like uh, if they're honest, it's going to get them in worse trouble. So honesty is a good, uh, a, a good thing to promote, obviously. A sense of humor. Um, don't, don't, don't kill a sense of humor in a person. I, it, it's, every child is different. For example, in, in our home, we, um, it, it comes natural to Miko. It, 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 was a, it was just a natural thing. We never knew. Uh, some of the things that were, were going to come out of him is just a, a sense of humor. It's, it makes life exciting, and still even to this day, um, that's there. It's, it's such a, a wonderful attribute of people. Some people have dry humor. Um, some people, like myself, have very little humor. Um, things get shown to me that are funny, and I, I don't get it. A lot of times I don't get it. Um, everyone else is laughing, and I, I, don't, I don't know what it means. I don't, I don't figure it out. I, I don't get it. Um, I don't have a, a very good sense of humor, and, and probably will never get that. Uh, but it's, it's fun to be around people who, who do, and it's exciting, and it, and, it, and it makes life fun. If your child has that, encourage it. There's, I understand there's a limit and a time and a place, and all of that, yes, of course. But there's such a, um, a fun um, part of life when you have a, a child or an individual that, that has a sense of humor and, and adds to life. Uh, flexibility, being flexible. You want to teach that in a child because uh, if the child's not flexible, I mean, they're, they're going to have to learn uh, through life that not everything's going to be their way on their time and and it's not going to happen exactly the way they think. And so this is a skill you want to be able to build in a child, to be flexible. Okay? Uh, it's going to be that it's not going to be exactly what every child thinks at every moment. It's just not going to be that way. And the flexibility of individuals takes them through life, being able to deal with uh, all kinds of things at work or at home or in family or or, or finance, or whatever the case is. I mean, uh, flexibility is an attribute that takes you, uh, or is required, all through life. Being flexible in decisions that are made, and flexible in, in things that, that, are, that are coming up, or, or timings of things, and all types of instances where flexibility is shown. You want your kids to be resilient. You want to teach uh, the skill of resilience. 
Don't give up. Try again. You can do it. Uh, you don't have to take a back seat. Uh, no, you can, you can give your best. And if you give your best, God will do the rest. Listen, God never expects for anyone to give more than 100%. That's the most you can give. You know, people talk about 110%, 120%. That's not, it's not even possible. If you give the best you can, that's 100%. That's all you can do. If it's not better than someone else, that's okay. That's okay. God will take your best and he will do the rest. You want there to be a resilience that, that people never give up. The Bible, the Bible speaks about even this with our salvation. It doesn't say if you fall. It says when you fall. You're, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to, you're going to uh, have relapses. There's going to be times when you're, you're not proud of. There's going to be things that, oh, uh, oh my goodness, I, I, what was I thinking? That's going to happen. But it's the resilience of trying again, doing again, getting up again, going again. I'm going to make another effort. That's the resilience of I will not quit. Amen. You want to teach that in a child. Teach that to uh, they're going to give uh, their best effort, and they're going to keep trying in life. And that comes out in everything they do. That comes out in their schooling. That comes out in their work. That comes out in their marriage. That comes out in, in, in whatever opportunities that arise in a person's life, being resilient. Um, next, to have a belief in personal capability. This is not, I'm not talking about pride or arrogance. I'm talking about a, a child believing in themselves. Listen, God already made them in his image. They're already fearfully and wonderfully made. They have attributes and uniqueness that God has placed within them that, uh, that this, is, this is what God wants to see unfold. But they gotta have, they got to have a belief in personal capability. A lot of that comes from a parent. You know what? Uh, that, that starts at a very young age. Just think about a child that's learning how to walk. You, you're, you're not going to tell the child you're, you're never going to be able to do that. Uh, oh, you're falling. You might as well quit. Don't, don't try that again. Don't, don't get up uh, uh, to that couch again and try again to get to the coffee table. Don't, don't, you'll never do it. You're going to fall. You're going you're gonna to hurt yourself. You're going to break something. You're, whatever. No, it's the opposite. The, the, the opposite is, you know what? You can do it. Here. And you put out your hands to make it easier for them to get closer. And, and, and you walk them with one hand. And you, no, you, this is a belief in personal capability. And then the excitement that happens to a child when, they, when they're able to do that for the very first time. Now, I don't remember learning to walk, obviously. But my mother told me about it. And my mother told me that the first time I walked... For it was for a pair of red sneakers. Red sneakers. They had, I don't remember the seeing them. I don't remember them. But my mother says that that was what I first walked for. A pair of red sneakers. Not sure I would do that today. But that's, that's what I did when I was learning to walk. Uh, the last one we'll talk about here is responsibility. You want to teach responsibility. You want this to be a skill. Even in a child. It comes all the way through their life, being responsible for their actions and their reactions and, and their words and their comments. And um, that, that starts as a child. Remember, they're learning 70% of what they know by age five. Responsibility is a huge part of those skills. So self-regulation, focus on solutions, problem-solving skills, Empathy, compassion, mistakes to become an opportunity to learn, self-esteem, honesty, sense of humor, flexibility, resilience, belief in personal capability, and responsible, responsibility. Nelson, Irvin, and Duffy is uh, who came up with those skills. And obviously a lot of them are common to us, and, and uh, you would have come up with them without even being told. So it's important to note that even though all children are created in the image of God and are fearfully and wonderfully made, they still possess their own individuality. 
We're, we're not all uh, made with the same cookie cutter. We all are individuals. And so even though we have things in common, God's image, fearfully and wonderfully made, where we have this awe built within us, uh, those are common traits. Um, we're still individuals. All children are to be, be provided with the basic needs of, of satisfying hunger, uh, physical cuddling, uh, loving emotional relationships, and intellectual stimulation through objects, activities, and experiences with parents and other adults that have found the world to be a fascinating and wondrous place. Everybody has basic needs. Uh, having shelter and food. Um, and and um, don't, under, don't underestimate this one here that they call cuddling. Okay, there's, there's something about a child that, that that builds those skills and attributes within them to see a parent or a grandparent or, or, or a guardian, someone that is, is, um, is helping look after those children, raise those children, train those children. To be the individuals that God has wanted them to be. Uh, take the time. Take the time. Hold the child and hug the child and speak, uh, speak uh, in, in such a, um, a genuine, sincere way of how much love you have for the child. Don't be afraid to tell your child that you love them. I'm 51 years old, and my dad still tells me every time we call or we talk to each other, every time, we don't end the phone call without telling each other that we love each other. Same with my mom. You say, well, you're 51. You should know it by now. You should have picked that up. You should have heard it enough times. No, no, I want to know my parents love me. I want to my parents to know I love them. I want my kids to know I love them. I tell my kids when I end the phone calls that, that I love them. I want them to know that. That's, that's my way uh, now that if through distance, okay, I can't hold them and cuddle them. And, but I, listen, I get a chance. I, when I come in, into the same uh, residence or location where my children are, I want to give them a hug. I want to give my son a hug. I, I, I want to I give my, my second child, Sugar Plum, a hug. Sweet Pea, the baby, a hug. I'm not ashamed of it. I don't care if anyone else is around. doesn't matter what anyone else is doing. No, no, those are my kids. Those are my kids. And then I come into uh, the area of where my grandkids are and and the excitement of, of seeing them. And I, I, I don't know, I'm kind of weird in some ways, but I, I, um, I hug them in order. I hug them in order of age. And uh, that's just, that's, that's not something you have to do. That's just how I do it. I hug them in order of age. And, and so if I'm with, with Miko's children and Jesse's children, I, 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 I hug Kingsley first. And, and then I'm hugging Corver. And... Uh, there's a little break there next because Alistair, he usually doesn't come running for me to hug him. He wants me to chase him and catch him to give him a hug. That's the energy of, a, of this age three that I'm talking to you about. I, I got to chase him all over the house, behind chairs and over couches and everything to get a hold of him so I can give him a hug. That's part of the game. Listen, don't be afraid to do that, that wonderful cuddling aspect. See, this will develop a good sense of trust and optimism within themselves to become the most developed and mature individual that they can be. They, they, they feel a, a safety. Uh, they, they sense a trust. They, they say, this, this, is, this is an environment that I can grow in. They may not understand that. They may not comprehend that fully in their own abilities, but no, that... It's automatically, psychologically happening. They're fearfully and wonderfully made in God's image. But you are creating an environment for their skills to be unveiled. 
for those skills to be developed. And, and, and you're creating that environment for them to be the best that they can be and everything God wants them to be. So what's some practical ways to cultivate the individuality of a child? Because every child, again, is different. You know that. What's some practical ways that we can cultivate the differences in a child and it be the best for that child? Number one, know the child's limits, both intellectually and emotionally. Okay, not, every, not every child can handle the same thing. And I, I, I learned that at a very early age with, uh, with my son and my nephew. So they're, they're, uh, they're a week apart. And uh, I'm, I'm thinking this was probably when they were two or so. And you know how you come around the corner and you, and you, you, you go, boo! You scare your child and they run and holler and scream. And, and so, I, you know, I would do that with my son or whatever. And so we were, we were at my sister's house, and, of course, our, our two boys are a similar age, and my son's used to that, and, and uh, he's used to hearing his father holler and boo. And so I, I thought, you know, that might be funny to, to do to, to Jarvis, my nephew. And I come around that corner, and I did that, and Jarvis would not come near me for the next six months. I mean, he wouldn't come near me. He was scared out of his mind, okay? Emotionally, he was not ready for me to do that. Maybe he was for his father, um, but not for me. It took me, it took me six months to win him back over. Uh, I, think, uh, I think that worked. Um, we're, we're on good ground today. Uh, but just to know those limits, intellectually, there are limits. Every child has limits. Don't, you can't expect the same things even at the same age. So know the child's limits. And, and know the, the understand, okay, uh, if I was to explain to you, um, I'm the oldest in my family. My sister Colleen is the youngest. And uh, she's, she's eight years younger than I. And, uh, you would say, you know what, you, you don't seem to be shy, you're outgoing, that, that's my life, that's my sister's life. She's outgoing, she's not shy either, she's a missionary. She's been a missionary for more than 20 years. And um, one time we went to a theme park, and my kids, they wanted to go on, they want to go on a roller coaster, they want to, they want to go on these rides. I have zero desire to go on those things, zero my sister, she took those, she took those kids, and, and I mean, they went on more rides, upside down, and all that craziness. I wouldn't do that for nothing. I wouldn't sure pay to do it. I might have to be paid to do it. I sure wouldn't pay to do it. Um, there's no sense of trying to convince me to do it. I don't want to do it. I don't find no... In, uh, excitement or enthusiasm or, or accomplishment in, in going in a roller coaster upside down and holding. No, no. Got no desire for that. My sister, not, she's not shy. She's outgoing. But she doesn't have the same. Um, she does, she's not the same when it comes to that. She was willing to go. I said, I'll stay on the ground and take pictures. I still, that's still what I would do. I'm just hoping, I'm hoping, please pray with me that my grandkids never ever ask me to go on roller coasters. hate to tell them no. Number two, personalized forms of correction to the, the individual child. Not all children respond to the same type of discipline. You know, some children, you can just uh, raise your voice slightly, and it's enough to emotionally... Um, Change the situation. Some kids will cry easy. So uh, everyone's uh, know the understanding of, of the discipline for the child. Not uh, some 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 children are very strong-willed, and uh, we're going to learn 
uh, more about that in the next lesson where, you know, the whole idea behind what we're doing here is, is we're shaping the will without breaking the spirit. And so personalize the forms of correction. I mean, for some kids to be put in their room for a length of time, that's, that's not punishment at all. That's, that's actually a break from people. They kind of enjoy that. You give them, they got their game in there and they're in there by themselves. That's, that, that's um, for some kids, that's not punishment. Uh, I don't want to be put in my room. I, I don't want to be in there by myself. I, I want to be with people. I want to talk to people. I want to communicate with people. Um, so understand that, uh, that not every child uh, responds to the same discipline. Number three, give affirmation, both verbal and nonverbal. If I, could, if I could tell parents one very important thing to do with your children or your grandchildren, it would be this. Um, listening to people's stories and listening to people's upbringings and seeing the struggles that some people have in life, even as an adult, uh, can go back and be pinned to the lack of affirmation. Don't be, don't be afraid to say how, how good your child is and how well they did. And, and, oh, listen, Johnny, that picture you colored, that was amazing. Look how, look how nice you did that inside the lines, Johnny. Don't be afraid to do that. And um, children need affirmation. Uh, I remember uh, an event that happened uh, a number of years ago. Uh, Brother Trapani was at our church, and... and uh, in, in Miramichi, and he, he got my kids in the office afterwards, and they were in there by, himself, by themselves with him. And, of course, Brother Trapani, if you knew him, he was a very unique man, incredible person. And, um, of course, he was a professional counselor, and, and he was asking my kids questions about how I spoke to them or talked to them or what I said to them. And, and so uh, in Miranda's idea, uh, uh, w when a question is asked, if, uh, if it's asked, if I said something, it has to be that I said it exactly how it was asked. So Brother Trapani said, does your father say you are beautiful? So it wouldn't matter that I said you look nice, you're, you're uh, absolutely amazing. I mean, you're, you're, what, how you look is so sweet and adorable. I could use all kinds. If I did not say, you are beautiful, so Miranda said no. So after we went out uh, that night for uh, some uh, fellowship, me and Brother Trapani, I got a two-hour lesson on making sure that I was giving affirmation to my children. I went home that night. I went into Miranda's room. I said, Miranda, your dad just wants to tell you that you are beautiful. And Miranda's response was, Dad, you're just, you're just saying it because he told you to say so. Um, there was no winning for me on that one. Uh, but no, be, be careful. Let your children, grandchildren, the people that you have influence over, let them know that they're doing a good job. They look good. They're, they sound good. They're, they're, what efforts they're given is awesome. And, and to encourage, give affirmation. Number four, guide the child in developing their strengths and weaknesses. Um, this is very important. Children learn from both strengths and weaknesses. Um, you can't just focus on one. Don't focus on all the things they do wrong. Focus also on their strengths. Don't just focus on all the things they do right. Encourage them in their weaknesses to become stronger and better and more uh, prepared or qualified. Number five, demonstrate desired life skills in one's own life rather than simply verbalizing. Uh, what that means is if you're, you're, if you're going to unveil the, the, the skills of an individual, uh, your child, grandchild, if you're going to do that, don't let it just be your words. Let it be your example. Don't just say how important it is. Let them see that it's important to you. Don't, don't let it be that, well, this is what you need to do, but I don't have to. It's, it, um, it doesn't work. Demonstrate those desired skills by living those desired skills. Don't tell your child they need to save money if you don't save money. Um, 
they pick it up very quick. You know, you can't convince your child to come to prayer if you don't come to prayer. It's all of these things, are their desired skills that you and I must portray so the ones following can see um, those life skills. And lastly, uh, embrace one's own personal interests and encourage the child to embrace their personal interests as well. So being artistic or athletic or musical. Again, uh, don't be afraid to, to, to uh, encourage the child to embrace those skills that God has given them. Again, not everyone in your house is going to play the piano. But if one has an interest in playing the piano, encourage it. Encourage it. Not everyone is going to be athletic. But encourage the one that has a desire to be athletic or artistic. Okay? Um, it's wonderful to, to uh, and you know how it is. I, I see it. I get, I get um, little tours, or, or I, I, I get to see it on FaceTime, or, or I get invited to the room where the pictures are hanging. My grandkids, are, they've got all these pictures drawn. They've got storybooks written. They got, they've made their own books. They, they want to show me their artistic abilities. Encourage it. Listen, there's nothing wrong with, with uh, uh, embracing not only your own personal interests, but embracing those interests of the individuality of the child, of the child. Uh, because everybody has given, been given skills and everybody has an ability. Everybody has is, is, uh, is got their own attributes from God. And so here, uh, here in the, this lesson individuality of children, understanding that, uh, yes, we're all made by God. We're all made in His image. We're all uh, fearfully and wonderfully made. But there's marvelous works that God has for each person. Each person. Encourage that. Maybe you're looking back and you say, well, man, uh, that, that, what you're talking about tonight didn't happen in my life. That, that wasn't the way my upbringing was. And, and unfortunately, that's, that happens in many cases. But why don't you take this information and put it into maybe your children or your grandkids or, or kids that you're, you, you have influence of, people on your street where you can just be an encouragement to them or, or kids within the congregation. Let, let, let someone know that they're, done a good job and they and they look nice and you're you're encouraging them to become everything they can be say i'm not going to allow what wasn't for me to influence how i'm going to treat someone else no actually i'm going to take this information and i'm going to focus on the individuality of that child and say you know what this is this is an incredible thing that you have the ability to do and Oh my goodness, that guitar playing that you did there, that, you're, that the learning of that, that is so amazing. And keep it up and keep up the good work and let that be, let that be um, a lifestyle that you have, that you are encouraging and promoting um, the individuality of children. I want to thank you uh, for joining us tonight online and uh, being part of this small group's there's other small groups that are happening in the, in the church, even as we speak, uh, with the youth and with our grief share. And we, we thank you for joining us and being part of a love that lasts. This is, this is a love that, no, it doesn't just happen for a few, a few short moments or a five-year span or, or un, until the child leaves home. No, this is a love that lasts. It goes it goes for a lifetime, and you see it portrayed in people's lives and people's homes and marriages and, and um, with their children, their grandchildren. It's a love that lasts. Focus on, focus on what is the same. Image of God, fearfully and wonderfully made. But embrace the individuality of every person. Thank you tonight for being with us and at Mission Point and watching online and listening. And uh, uh, we'll be doing lesson number four. And that's the second part of 
of love and respect yourself. And we'll be focusing a little more on shaping the will and uh, doing that without breaking the child's spirit. Uh, let's pray together. God, I thank you. I thank you for your mighty power, your mighty presence. God, I thank you for the opportunity of your word. And I thank you, Lord, what you placed into my spirit to write. And God, I, I pray that somehow it's, it's a benefit to somebody. And, and God, it would be information that each person could use in their life, no matter how, how old their children are or, or how, how old they are as an adult, God. I, I pray it's information that could be used to be a betterment, God, to a person's life. I pray, let your blessing tonight be upon every individual. God, guide us and protect us and keep your hand upon us. And we give you all glory and praise in the name of Jesus. Amen. I love that last. God bless you and have a good night. Thank you for joining us today. If you want more information, connect with us on our website at missionpoint.ca. God bless you.